Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, I am Tom Appel, and this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you are looking for a new car or truck, check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. Look at our best buys. If you are not looking for a new car or truck, just skip right ahead to our blog because that is where the magic happens. Uh, We've got a lot going on today. First, I'd like to say hi to my co-host, Damon Bell. Damon, how's it going? Not too bad. How you doing? I'm all right. You found the place okay? I did, yes. Budgeted in a little extra time. (laughs) Yes, Yes. and why why is it snowing? (sighs) Because it's Chicago. Yeah, I don't. It's Halloween. We're recording on Halloween. My bad. Uh, and it's snowing. It's snowing. Yeah. So we have uh, a bunch of stuff to do today. After the first break, we're going to speak with Jennifer Newman of Cars.com. She is the editor in chief of that esteemed establishment uh, and manages their excellent editorial staff. She is also a certified car seat safety expert. I think I got the words wrong there, but she's she's that, and she's going to talk to us about that. Later on, we're going to do the first ever Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast quiz. This is the uh, listener's chance to win quality Consumer Guide swag. Later on, you're going to question my use of the word swag. But I promise you. <laughs> I promise you that applies. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on at the blog. But first, Damon, uh, you have some news. Do you want to talk about news or what I'm... What... You pick. All right. You pick. Uh, well, the news item that... Uh... Got more uh, airtime than I thought it would yeah. this week is the discontinuation of the Ford Flex. Yes. Yeah. And that, Go ahead. I'm so, sorry. So, yeah, that is 2019 is the last year for the Flex. Um, it's discontinued for 20. Uh, if you're not familiar, the Flex, I believe it debuted in 2009. Yes. So I think, or as a 2000 model, at least. 2009, 2009 model. model. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the super boxy crossover that, uh, you know, it's it's really splits the difference between the old school station wagon and, uh, and a modern SUV. Very squared off boxy styling, pretty polarizing. Um, and yeah, it is no more for 2020. And the... Uh, surprise, surprising and unsurprisingly, a lot of auto journalists are bemoaning its demise. Yeah, now they are. Right. Now it's going. Yeah. Yeah, no one's talked about this car in 10 years, but now. Yeah, and and, and it is definitely the kind of car that auto journalists often like the quirky and, yes. and the esoteric, and the Flex does kind of check those boxes, uh, again, because it is a very squared off box. Do you remember the it, the first generation Scion XB? Oh yeah. I always thought that the Flex looked like somebody took a Scion XB, which was a subcompact car, and just flattened it <laughs> and stretched it out, and you know made it much bigger and and stretched it so it's a third row too. Uh, and I I could see that I think it already is at some level a cult car. And I could see that kind of continuing in the future. Probably. The, yeah. the Flex was doomed almost from the beginning, though, because it launched at a terrible time. If you remember that, it launched in 2009 at the exact same uh-huh. time that the Chevrolet Traverse did. 
and the, the economy had just gone straight right. to hell. Yep. And, and one of the things that happens, I think, is, is that the buying public becomes more conservative when things are ugly. Even if you're not financially directly touched by the economy, hmm. you start to make more prudent decisions, uh, I think. Almost on a subconscious Yeah, thing. yeah. And I think that the flex was just too far out there. And the Traverse was really the first really large crossover. It was three-row. It was bigger than other crossovers. For real three-row. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like I fit in the third-row, right. third-row. And the thing about that that was crazy was, was, was that right out of the chute, the Traverse outsold the flex three-to-one, and it never got better. Yeah. And then two years later, the first crossover Explorer launched for 2010. Right. And that was a real crossover. And promptly. Yeah, and then, and then it was over. Right. Because I think if you were in the showroom, you're looking at both, there's Flex, there's there's the Explorer, you're like, eh, I don't know. And the thing about the Flex, too, that was kind of cool, it had the different color roof, and I think that was just a little too quirky for the mainstream public. Yeah. And they made, dealers started stocking single-tone cars, but I think by then it was too late. Yeah. And the buying public never forgives a car that doesn't sell well at first. You think once that launches, yeah, if he... Because I think in Acura RLX, Honda Pilot, uh, not Pilot, I'm sorry, uh, Ridgeline, uh-huh. Both of those vehicles didn't have good launches, and they've never, never really recovered. recovered. Even in, in the Ridgeline's case, second generation. Yeah. But the other the other thing that I had kind of forgotten about the Flex, it was one of the first, if not the first, to. It, it really was at the forefront of inaugurating Ford's EcoBoost. Yes. Engines. Yes, it was actually stupid fast yeah. with the EcoBoost. With the EcoBoost <laughs> I believe it was three hundred sixty five horsepower. So it you, was. You had this family hauler that could haul you know it was also darn expensive at first at least list price i remember that that, that this is you know 2009 and i think they were touching 40 grand then yeah so that was rough so rest in peace yeah ford flex, ford flex. Uh, <laughs> anyway for people who don't know damon and i often find ourselves behind the wheel of test product made, av- made available by manufacturers, and this is one of those weeks. Damon, you drove something here today. What was that? I did. Uh, I've this far, uh, So far this week, I've been in a 2020 Toyota Avalon Limited. All right. Um, and, and, and that's all the Avalon you can get, right? I believe so. There, I, there, that is probably the most expensive, although for 2020, the, the, the car I'm in right now, uh, stickers, bottom lines at about 45 grand. Uh, it hasn't the the Avalon was redesigned for 2019, and so the the regular uh, trim levels don't really change much for 2020 because it was brand new redesigned for last year. But it does get uh, a sporty uh, performance oriented TRD model this year, which hopefully we'll have one of those through our test fleet as well. Which which seems completely completely off key off for that wall. vehicle. Yeah. 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 And 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 <laughs> and it's funny uh, you, you know and, and kind of similar to what you were talking about with the with the launches like Toyotas over time especially the Camry they have this reputation of plain vanilla milk toast, you know, the just the most boring appliance. Frankly from where I'm standing, that hasn't been true for about 10 years. No, no, that is a at lingering. At least relative to other mainstream sedans. Um, and it, interestingly, both the Camry and the Avalon get TRD models this year. Neither one of them get a horsepower boost. It's the, you know, uh, the, the Camry TRD is the V6 engine. So that's kind of muscled up to start with. I believe mm-hmm. that's like two, it's, it's might even be close to 270 horsepower. I can't remember off the top of my head. And the Avalon is, uh, you know, similarly gutsy V6, um, 
So interesting that they're they're kind of taking that tack. And it's probably something we might see a little more of as SUVs kind of seem to be taking over, that there will be the people who still want sedans, the the buyers that are still in that market, more likely will be the ones that want uh, sharper handling and, and kind of sportier styling. and Maybe. And in the, in the case of the Avalon, which we call a large sedan, mm-hmm. there's no competition left. Right. There's the Chrysler 300. It's kind of a dying yeah. category. Yeah. So yeah. I, just Ford just killed the Taurus. Yep. Um, who knows what's next for the Dodge Charger and Chrysler 300. Those are kind of like, particularly the Charger is kind of the four-door true muscle car of the group. Um, yeah. In fact, yeah, there's a Hellcat wide body that, you know, has <laughs> up to 700 horsepower, just these, you know, and beyond, I believe, because I think there's a red-eye version too. But those are kind of specialized uh, vehicles to start with. But, yeah, as it sits right now with the Avalons redesigned for 2019, that really is the freshest vehicle in that large car category. And you wonder, is there going to be a new redesigned you know, large sedan that takes its place, or is that market just going to totally evaporate within the next five years? I don't know. So? I think that market might just be Avalon in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be the, the total of that market. Because, yeah, the American manufacturers, it, they don't seem to be hanging around that much longer. So as large as the Avalon is, and I love that vehicle for highway use, I fit in it really comfortably. You could put four adults in it. You, at six foot six inches, not so much. Not so much. Uh, Sometimes I do run into that issue as an extra tall gentleman. Uh, My head brushes the headliner. Which is disappointing in a vehicle that is a is a large car. I mean, it's both. That's that's kind of its main selling point. Is is it is that much bigger than a Camry? Gives you that much more space. So it is a little disappointing uh, that even a tall guy like myself, uh, the the headroom is a little bit lacking. Once I settle in, you know, it's it's not a deal breaker. And again, I'm I understand that I'm a very high percentile person, but. Uh, my dad is now on the prowl for a car, and my mom and dad take long highway trips, and I really want them to buy an Avalon, but my dad is very hard to steer into any direction whatsoever, <laughs> and he made clear his intentions to buy a car roughly now, so it's going to be a solid 18 months before we even visit a dealership. <laughs> so, so is it, is that just, it gets so, it gets backburnered, or yeah, does he oh, deliberate yeah. that long? Anything could come up, and that'll, if, if he gets crabgrass, it's like, I got to deal with this crabgrass <laughs> thing before we start looking for cars, but... Huh. All right, I think we should take a break, and when we get back, we should talk to Jennifer Newman of Cars.com about stuff she knows about. Sounds great. All right. Think Theory Radio. Welcome my first academic scholar in the graffiti realm, Caitlin Francis Bruce, author of Painting Publix. Graffiti writers have been masters of style and also it's a culture of fame, mm-hmm. even before people kind of let their faces be visible. So, I mean, they're doing that pre-internet and it circulated through things like Wild Style and Style Wars, but also young people that would travel. Think Theory Radio with Damien Perdue, Saturdays at 6 p.m. on WCPT 820. This is Morgan Freeman, executive producer of the documentary film, The C Word. And I'm here to tell you that defeating cancer takes breakthroughs. A breakthrough is the start of something extraordinary. To be breakthrough is to be brave. Many small breakthroughs can lead inevitably to a big breakthrough. The kinds of breakthroughs 
that advance the fight against cancer. The ones that save lives by the millions. You are the breakthrough. You the patients taking part in clinical trials. You the scientists doing next level research to beat cancer. You the doctors and nurses who tirelessly care for everyone along the way. Let's be the breakthrough. To learn about screenings and clinical trials that may be right for you, go to StandUpToCancer.org forward slash breakthrough. Stand Up To Cancer is a program of the Entertainment Industry Foundation. Please talk to your healthcare provider about appropriate screenings and clinical trials that may be right for you. Hey, I'm Tom, host of the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. Join us Sundays at 1 p.m. as the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive look at what matters most to people who own, love, or simply have to live with automobiles. Listen in for the latest news, great guests, expert analysis, and occasionally a reference takes on what's happening in the auto world. We'll try and entertain you and maybe even save you a little money. That's the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast Sundays at 1 p.m. right here on WCPT AM820. Santita Jackson. The president, what did he say? I think that crooked Hillary should enter the race to try and steal it away from uber-left Elizabeth Warren. And she said, don't tempt me. Do your job. Those Clintons do not lie down. They, no, they don't. They don't take a rest. <laughs> they don't stop it. It's hard to leave. And I said, whoa, I think she's trying to let us know something. The Santita Jackson Show, weekday mornings at 6 on WCPT 820. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we are back. I am Tom, host of the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. I'm here with co-host Damon Bell, and our special guest today is Jennifer Newman of Cars.com. She is editor-in-chief of that uh, esteemed organization. Yes, thank you. You guys guys are the good stuff. (laughs) Thank you. But thank you for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Tell me quickly what you do there and what cars.com is. Cars.com is a website where we uh, connect shoppers and dealers. So dealers will list their their inventory, the cars that they have for sale, and we help shoppers uh, find their way to that inventory. We In the editorial department, we do that through um, providing in-depth reviews. We, we write different articles about these cars and also videos as well. Um, and basically, we're all about making those connections and trying to help you find the car that's best for your life. Well, I have, I have read your stuff. I have met your staff. And you guys are some of the best in the business. Well, thank you so much. I'm really proud of the work that we do there. Yeah, you should be. So you are a, and I have the name here someplace and I keep losing it, I- but you are a certified... <laughs> I am certified. I'm, <laughs> so I'm a certified car seat technician. Um, another way to say that is child passenger safety, safety technician. What that mouthful really means is that <laughs> I've gone through uh, 40 hours of training on car seats and the latch system, which is those little anchors inside um, the back seat of your car yeah. that you probably don't know what to do with. Um, and basically, oh, I know all too well, well. you know, but <laughs> basically it's, it's all about um, making car seat installation easier and, and we want it to be right so it's safe. You know, the most important thing is making sure that your kids are safe in those, in those car seats. So here's the thing, and maybe you can clear something up for me. My daughter is 19 years old now. Mm-hmm. When she was little, what I used to do is put Velcro on her diaper and affix her to the rear parcel shelf. <laughs> I hear now that not only was that not safe, it may have been illegal. Uh, she could have, you know, hurt you. 
Should she have wiggled free in a in a crash? <laughs> was it yeah. the industrial strength Velcro? No, like it was good really... stuff. I'm not I'm not cheap. Okay. It was good stuff. I'm careful. Was it weight rated for? No, I don't know. Could it no. have, Could it have held more than the diaper could have? See this? You're asking hard questions. Okay. I don't know any <laughs> of this. Yeah, I, I I will say that today. I think today's parents certainly know. Kids are in car seats for so much longer than they used to be, even when my kids were young, which, you know, my kids have been out of car seats, um, one of them for only a, a couple of years. The other is 17, so quite a few yeah. years at and this point. And learning to drive. And learning to drive, that which is a very whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, car seats car seats are going to be, as a parent, they're going to be part of your life um, for easily 10 years, if not more. Yeah. So there's a lot to know and, and learn. And as an... And, if, as you mentioned, like it's it it seems to always be changing. Yes, you know, yes. like what what was true two, four, five years ago right. is no longer the case. You Cor- know? Well, correct. You know, I think as as um as as we learn more, right? As as more testing goes into car seats, as as uh, groups such as the American Academy of Pediatrics revises their recommendations, right? This is a living sort of of um, set of rules that it's it's really important that we continue to evolve for instance in illinois um recently the state law changed or is changing so that children need to be rear facing until at least age two here's the thing though they really should be rear facing until they outgrow the height or weight of that car seat so well beyond age two right you know and what i think what's hard for parents um of course, they want their kids to be forward-facing. It's just easier to attend to them while you're mm-hmm. in the front seat. Yeah. Uh, the other side of it, though, is they worry about their legs getting all mushed, you know, because you've got a two-year-old. You've got, some, yeah. you've got some legs going on there, and their legs are often kind of smushed or crisscrossed or, you know, resting on the, the back seat of the, back. the seat right. back. Um, but what, as a technician, what we tell parents is it's easier to fix a broken leg than it is to fix a broken back. Right. A mm. rear facing car seat provides so much more protection in a, in a crash um, that you really should, as a parent, keep them rear facing until you reach that limit of, of the seat. The other thing that it, I think is makes things more complicated, too, is every kid is different. You know, mm-hmm. you can have a, a two year old that is a monster that could pass for a four year old. Right. Right. And, and, you know, a tinier kid. So even having age guidelines, it's only a guideline. It's not a hard and fast right. rule. Right. It really is. And and that is also, if you're in that sort of a situation, what I would recommend is is finding a um, car seat technician near you. Um, technicians are volunteers. We do this because we're passionate. Where, where would you find such a so person? So I would go to saferkids.org. Oh, okay. Um, and they have a they have a great little insert your zip code tool that'll help you find car seat uh, technicians in your area. And often, a lot of of course, a lot of police stations and fire departments have them as well. And I was I trained with several of them. They're amazing. Um, definitely call before you you know before you arrive at a police station with your car seat and your and child tone, and right. and all that sort of thing. But but know that. You know, these technicians are out there, they're volunteers, and they're super passionate about this, and they want to help you, and they're not going to do it for you. They're going to teach you mm-hmm. how to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, you would recently um, were interviewed by People Magazine yeah. and talked about the five biggest mistakes that people are making these days. Can mm-hmm. you go through those? Sure, I'd be happy to. So one of the, speaking of car seat um, and being rear-facing, 
that's one of the biggest things here is is having your car seat facing the wrong direction, right? So really, I want to I wanna hammer this one more time. Keep your kids rear facing for as long as possible. And it's going to be longer than you want. But you know what? It's safer for them. So let's let's make sure they're rear facing in that car seat. Um, another one is using the wrong car seat. A lot of parents kind of rush their kids through the car seat process. They, they're looking to get into, say, a booster seat, which is you're you're keeping the kid in place with a seatbelt, right? And and that's so just much easier. So mm-hmm. totally, the allure is there. <laughs> I will not argue with you that with you, right? It, it's so much easier. But if your child is not, um, you know, if they're not a big enough to sit properly in that seat, or if they're not sort of mature enough to not mess with the seatbelt and unbuckle it while you're hurtling mm-hmm. down the highway, they shouldn't be in that seat, right? So. Each car seat has a height and weight limit that'll tell you when your child has outgrown it, and that's what should be your guide before you move them into the next car seat. And I assume if you're shopping for car seats, say, online, that mm-hmm. that information is, is front and forward. You should be able to find it sort of as you dig into the specs of the, the okay. car seat. And, you know, just as Damon was saying, kids are different, car seats are different, too. So there are so many options out there today. It used to be, you know, a million years ago when I had a baby, um, my infant seat he was out of it when he hit 20, 20 pounds, right? Now you, they're going to 35 pounds. They're going, they're going much, much higher on the weight limit. So if, if, if you, A, are on your second kid and you know, like, I had a chunk of a baby before and I, I'm expecting another kind of big baby, you can, you can kind of shop around and find one that will probably fit your life a little better. Mm-hmm. What to, Not to interrupt you, but sure. what does a good car seat cost these days? Oh, my goodness. So that's a tough one. It, it can, they can cost upwards of four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. You can also find good car seats for, you know, eighty dollars. Oh, here's the thing: you're not going to get all the bells and whistles, okay? But all car seats have to meet federal mandates when it comes to safety. So they're they're all starting off with the same base level of safety. They've all been crash tested by the manufacturers. They have to meet certain standards. And then it's like anything else. It's just like cars, right? You can get a base car that meets certain standards, and then you start to move up the trim level, and you're paying for more bells and whistles. Kind of the same with car seats. You know, you you suddenly, if you're willing to pay $250, well, maybe you're getting one that has side impact um, cushions on the side, right? That's something that this car seat manufacturer has added, and, you know, it, they say it works, and you're going to pay for that little extra that extra security. It, it really just depends. Also, sometimes it's style. You mm. know, you see some really cool <laughs> looking car seats and maybe that's what you want to, you know, you're willing to pay a little more for the look. I would just also remind people that your kids are gross. Yeah. And I was going to say <laughs> one of my seats are going to get gross. <laughs> one of my parameters is easy to clean upholstery, yeah. which I think is pretty standard across the Absolutely. board. But mm-hmm. there will be things regurgitated oh, yeah. or spilled oh, yeah. or, yeah. <laughs> So one of the crazier things on that list I saw, and I literally didn't know that this was even possible, car seats expire. They do. They expire. Yes. Well, think about here in Chicago, right? You've got a car seat sitting in the car. It's not only sitting through the beautiful spring and fall weather that we experience, but the extreme colds and the extreme highs, the extreme heat. And so that plastic is expanding and contracting throughout that weather. And just like everything else, you know, it, it... it has an expiration date. You need to pay attention to that. For some car seats, it's six years. For others, it's 10. It depends a little bit on the manufacturer as well as um, also when it was made, you know. So definitely 
that again, there's another sticker. There's a lot of stickers on your car seat, but you know, you'll find that none of them are cool. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. But no you'll... Grateful Dead stickers. No, no, definitely no Grateful Dead stickers. But you'll find that information um, not only in uh, on a sticker on the car seat, but also in your owner's manual. So it, you need to kind of check out both. So would you recommend ever buying a used car seat? Absolutely not. Not. No, never. I, there, I know that there's lots of kind of secondhand baby stores. Right. I think they they steer clear. Like right. you can't even, no. they won't even sell you one. Mm-mm. I think cribs are similar that way. Like, yeah, there's enough yeah. kind of liability there that, that Here, it's just. Here's the thing. You don't, you need to know the history of that car seat, right? So you need to know whether or not it was in, what if it was in a crash? And they, you know, the parent looks at that car seat and they say, oh, it looks fine and I'm going to use it. But there is a hairline fracture in there that you that you can't see, but will compromise how well that car seat works should it be in a crash again. I, I know it's I know it I know it's hard to spend the money sometimes when you've got something that a gift or a hand me down mm-hmm. from a relative or or just, you know, something that. Hope you never find it on the street, but you know, definitely <laughs> dumpster. That's how I do all my baby clean. shopping. But spend the money. Spend the money. This this is an investment in your child's safety, and it's it it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Right. You want to talk about the uh, the car seat check honor roll? I would love to. So I this am. Is a, you, you wrote this article. I did. This is at cars.com right now. Yes, at cars.com right. we have what we call our car seat check honor roll, and just a little background on this. We install car seats into um, the test cars that come into our offices, which are, which are here in Chicago. Every test car? Um, as many as we can do. We cool. we tend to focus on the ones that have a back seat that's a yeah. little more livable. Probably weren't doing much with the Toyota <laughs> Supra. No, we, we skipped that yeah. one. We skipped that yeah. one. Well, that's when you go back to the Velcro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the Car Seat Check Honor Roll, it recognizes those um, cars that earned all A's in our car seat checks. So... And that car seat check is a pretty thorough process. Like you've yeah. got, it, it, it's at least three different kinds of seats. And you, don't you even list like the brands you use as yes. sort of representative? Yeah. So we, we have three car seats that we use. Um, a Graco infant seat that's rear facing. We have the Britax um, convertible, which can be installed in rear or forward facing mode, right? And then we also have um, a, yeah, a Graco booster seat. And what we tried to do was pick car seats that were top sellers so that, you know, it would, it would appeal to sure. yeah. uh, more shoppers. But also, basically, we are looking to see not only how these seats fit in these, in the, in these cars, but also how easy or difficult it is to use the latch system, which yeah. are lower tether anchors that you'll find between the back and bottom cushions in the back seat of your car, as well as the top tether anchor, which is in a sedan, it's it's on the rear shelf behind the, the second row head restraints. In SUVs, it's often, it can be in a lot of places. It can be in the ceiling, mm-hmm. it can be on the seat back, it can be almost at the base of the, of the, of the second row seats. So just evaluating those, um, all of those things, giving them grades, and then the cars that earned A's made it onto our honor roll. So all of these cars earned top marks. And this year we had 13 cars, which was our largest honor roll ever. Excellent. Mm. So you yeah. guys have the 2019 BMW X7. That's their all-new large crossover. Yes. The 2018 Santa Fe. Yes. You have an electric car on the list, the 2020 Jaguar I-Pace. That's pretty, that's pretty forward thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did a good job. You know, I, I mean, that's the truth of it. So it was nice to see Jaguar coming in with a, with a car that fit car seats really yeah. well. Cool. The, the 19 Maxima, Nissan Maxima. Yep. The Nissan Murano, the Forester, 
yeah. popular. Mm -hmm. I've owned one. Uh, the Avalon, that's topical. Mm -hmm. Lots of space. The Camry, Toyota Camry, 2019 Toyota 4Runner, the Toyota Rev4, the Atlas, which is also seriously roomy. Yes. And the Tiguan. Oh, okay. And the Volvo V70, V60. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Volkswagen Tiguan. And uh. so, what it, what I think is really interesting, and you guys will probably know this because you know we we cover the automotive industry, um, but but your listeners might not pick up on this as much is a lot of these cars when they're redesigned what what's really exciting to see is the attention that automakers are giving to the latch system it used to be the reason that our car seat check series was created and you can look up almost quite a few uh you know cars to find out how they performed individually in our car seat checks but the reason that we created this series was because when i was driving cars and had a kid in car seats i was astounded at how easy it would be to install it in one car and then I'd get a completely yeah. different car yeah, and I yeah. could I would struggle. It was it was so difficult, right? And so I thought that there was a need for this sort of um, information and and it's something that we've been doing at cars.com for quite a few years now. Mm -hmm. The uh, the first car we owned that I owned when my daughter was born was an Acura Integra. So for people who don't remember this is a Honda Civic size coupe. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a vehicle I barely fit in. And then I had to squeeze into the back seat and somehow pull a seatbelt through the thing. It was a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. And then I went and bought a Maxima. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, car seats, they certainly can affect uh, which car you're going to be using for a while. Yeah. So what about the third row? Are there, are there any latch, uh, um, latch accommodations in the third row? It depends. It's automaker by automaker. So but they're there. It's, okay. In some, in some, you'll find a mix. In some vehicles, you will find um, complete latch systems in the third row. So you'll find, you know, the lower tether anchors and the top tether anchor. So that allows you, by the way, the top tether is what you should be using when installing a forward-facing convertible. Mm -hmm. A lot of people forget that to use it. Um, but there will be other other uh, automakers that won't put in those lower latch anchors back there. And so they'll just be the top tether anchor and you'll need to use a seatbelt to install the, your I car seat. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, thank you for being here today. My pleasure. I absolutely appreciate it. How can we, how can we follow you and keep track of what you're doing? Check us out on Twitter at, at cars.com and you'll find us there. And we're also on Instagram, of course, and Facebook. All right. If you can, please stick around because we're going to talk about more stuff a little bit later. I'd love to. All right. We're going to go to a break and then we're going to talk about the first ever Car Stuff Power Quiz. Around the town, Chicago, with Al Besloff. It's one thing that I, I've always said is seeing a play again doesn't mean you're seeing a play again. When you see a movie and you see it again, it's always the same movie. Yeah, it's always but the same. when you have a different director and a different cast of characters at a different stage, everything changes. That's it's a new production. True. Sunday afternoons at 2 on WCPT 820. We parents hear our kids say lots of things that can get us pretty worked up. Things like, Look, Ma, no hands. And, Ouch, that hurts. Look, you'll never completely stop worrying about your kids. But you can breathe a little easier with free or low-cost health insurance through Medicaid and CHIP programs in your state. The truth is, they're covering more kids and teens than ever before. So even if you've applied in the past, even if you don't qualify, your kids can now be eligible for regular doctor and dentist visits, prescriptions, and more. 
So the next time you hear, Ooh, I don't feel so good. Relax, your kids can be covered. Get us kids covered today. Families of four earning up to $49,200 a year or more may qualify. Just go to insurekidsnow.gov or call 1-877-KIDS-NOW. That's 1-877-543-7669. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Back on the Beat with Dick Kay. The House may impeach him, President Trump, but the trial is in the Senate, and Mitch McConnell says, oh, well, I have to take it up. But the question is, how long will I let it continue? Mm-hmm. And he's got ads running now. Mitch McConnell, the, the Senate Majority Leader, saying, I'm the guy that can stop the impeachment of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Please contribute to my campaign. Mm-hmm. Back on the Beat with Dick Kay. Saturdays, 1 to 4 p.m. on WCPT 820. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. Uh, And let's talk a little bit about this week's Consumer Guide Car Stuff Power Quiz question. This one's a good one. Uh, I like it. This is your chance to win quality Consumer Guide swag. Again, I'm using the word swag loosely. Uh, <laughs> let me let me just point out that Tom is diabolical when it comes to automotive trivia. So just yeah, that should be All mentioned. Right. This is a good question. So we'll talk about the swag first. You are playing for a copy of Fast Forward. That's a 144-page hardcover publication by the editors of Consumer Guide. It is a photo pack companion of classic concept cars. It's a good-looking book. It'll look good on your desk or coffee table. Uh, here's the question. You have to be the 10th person to go to our website, go to contact us, and give us this answer. I need to know the name of four discontinued Honda models since 1970. I'd like to note that the Passport and the Inside are back in use so they don't count. Hmm. If you think this sounds easy, it is not. (laughs) Honda has an insane habit of not discontinuing cars. In fact, Accord, Civic, uh, these have been around forever. Lots of long-running vehicles. Forever. Yes. So that's the question. Go to consumerguide.com. Be the 10th person to give us the correct answer. There's actually a total of five cars discontinued. I need four. So go to consumerguide.com, go to contact us, and uh, drop us a line. Damon, you had more questions for Jennifer. I cut her off. This is my bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just wanted to we, we talk about, yeah, the, the, the cars.com list of, of vehicles uh, shows how manufacturers have kind of made those latch anchors easier to access. But I wanted to talk, ask Jenny a little bit about the different styles of anchors, I guess you'd call them connectors. Anchors. Connectors, so, connectors yes. on the car seats. Yeah, because sure. there's like the carabiner style mm-hmm. where it's been very maddening for me. <laughs> yeah. On some of those where it's like it's a Sisyphean task of <laughs> you're almost there, but it's not clicking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but then in some ways those are better because those are slimmer right. than the plastic like red push button ones. Right. So those are the two I'm familiar with. Are those does that basically cover it? That's that's what we focus on. It, we were trying to use different styles. So the the thinner one, we call it a hook, a hook like connector, right? Because it's yeah, you, it is thin. It, it's, and that's the carabiner. The where carabiner, yeah, yeah, where you you know you kind of need to push it up and over the that little latch connector and then pull it into place. Mm-hmm. The other one is what we call a rigid connector. Um, if there's not a lot of space, a lot of space around that latch 
anchor, it can be really difficult to use it if the if the seat cushion is encroaching yeah, there's around just not it. Not enough. Yeah. Space. Yeah. It's, to squeeze in that whole plastic casing. Yep. And, yeah. yeah. And I think the important thing to know is, look, if you cannot get your car seats latch connectors to click onto your anchors you can use a seatbelt to install the car seat. Mm-hmm. Now there's a lot to consider with that as well. You need to know how to lock your car how to lock your seatbelt retractor and you can learn about that in your owner's manual. Like that's a thing you can do. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, oh. think about it, right? When you're for for the listeners, when you uh, suddenly you know, try to lean forward right. to grab something off the floor and you're held in place by your seatbelt, mm-hmm. that's that retractor in play. And you want that same action to happen when you install the car seats or with a seatbelt. So, you know, it, there is an option if it's not going well. I understand that for a lot of people, it's, it's, um, they're a little confused about how to do it correctly, but your car seats owner manual will walk you through it, as will your car's owner's manual. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. So you you put two kids through car seats. You still got kids both in car I, seats. And I got kids in booster seats. And booster as you seats said, now. is much easier. You All just right. know that you know put them in the car and they're held in place by the seatbelt and yeah. So a couple thing on things on booster seats, right? They are so much easier, and I think that as parents we tend to sort of set it and forget it when it comes to boosters. You want to make sure if your kids aren't riding in the car. Their boosters should either be latch attached mm-hmm. to the latch anchors, or you should use the seatbelt to keep it in place so that those it, can be projectiles. Exactly, too. you don't yes. want it to be a projectile in an accident if no one's sitting in there. The other thing is, um, you may not be experiencing this yet, but the pressure that the young kids start to go under from their friends about getting out of their booster seat—it's mm. oh, a real thing, yeah. right? Hold firm, mom and dad, <laughs> right? You need to keep them in these booster seats until they are at least four feet, nine inches tall. Mm. That yeah, is critical good... because seatbelts in the back seat are actually designed for adults. So you need them to be boosted up so that the seatbelt is coming across. It's hitting them at their breastbone, right? And the, the lower part of the belt is on their hips. And it's not anywhere on their soft organs. You know, it can't hurt them. Again, this is all about safety. And this is where you kind of have to be tough with the kids mm-hmm. and just say, no, you can't. You know, you're in this booster seat until it's time to, yeah. time to finally move out of them. Now, there was a time, and, and this seems to not be discussed anymore, but for a while when so- rear side airbags were kicking in, mm-hmm. There was, there was some question about whether or not you place car seats towards the outside or yeah. just keep them in the center. Is that still a thing? Do we still talk about that? You know, people, when it depends on the car, right? So some automakers are going to tell you not to install a car seat in that middle seat. Um, there are some Subarus that don't recommend it, and that's partly because of the way that the that back seat is designed. There's a hump there. It's, yeah. it's difficult to to get the car seat to sit firmly in, in that position. Um other 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 cars like Honda, they put latch anchors, extra latch anchors in so that you can install a car seat there. You know, that's in the pilot, for instance. So it, it really depends a little bit on the car. Um, again, owner's manual. Got to read it. So, so <laughs> there's a bunch of owner's manuals you have to read. Yes, there really is. And you should read them together. You should you should have your car seat owner's manual out with your owner's manual. And in fact, if you do go to a car seat technician for assistance, they're going to want you to bring that. Bring they're also going to want you to bring your kid. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know. Well, which well, seems cool. a little counterintuitive. Well, but yeah. <laughs> again, with that going back to that, every kid is different. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. One other thing. So. You've got kids in boosters, and I'm telling you to keep them in boosters for as long as possible, right? I will say my oldest is eight. Yeah. 
there's already peer pressure. Yeah, it starts. It yeah. starts early. You're, it's surprising. I know. Wait. And then the next peer pressure is sitting in the front seat. Mm. So do not let your kids, once they're out of their booster seat, don't let them sit in the front seat until they're age 13. Really? Yes. Oh, I totally blew that. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit um I'm I'm quite mean on this stuff. So my children really aren't didn't get to sit in the front seat until they were 13. Should you have to have them in the front seat, right? Let's say you've got a full car and that's the only or that's the only seat available, push your put push the front pa- passenger seat all the way all back way to back. keep sure. it away from the airbags. But the reason that you want to keep them out of the front seat is airbags, right? And you're waiting for their bones to start to harden um, as they're going through puberty, frankly, and protect it'll protect them more in a crash. So keep them in the back seat again. And are there laws about that, or is this just best practices? This is best practice. Okay. Laws vary by state by state. You'll find that when it comes to car seats as well. You know? So I am not a lawbreaker, just a bad parent. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> and I've heard that before. Yeah, oh. you, she's made it through college. She's okay now. So yeah, 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 she's yeah. driving herself. Yeah. So she did survive. Right. So I'm cool. It's cool. <laughs> well, thank you again. Damon, you had a question for us, I think, as we roll into the last part of the show. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to, uh, we're going to kind of have a, a thought provoking question. And so my question, uh, this week is what new vehicle would you buy with your own money? So I'll pose it to Tom first and then I'll pose it. Okay. To well, the my and money, then I can answer the, my money thing is ugly because I have no money. I'm an auto. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, but if, okay, so I'm so, going to answer. Yeah, we can't, it, it cost is very much an object. <laughs> I'm going to do cost no object anyway, just because this answer slightly embarrasses me. But I really want this vehicle, and there's no good reason for it. And that's the Lexus GX460. That is Lexus's body-on-frame, old-school SUV, mid-size crossover. Or mid-size SUV. Yes. I should yeah, not call no, it a crossover. Definitely not a crossover. And, and it, it is not especially fuel-efficient, and it is not especially practical if you need to park it or garage it. But I love this vehicle. It is roomy. The interior is like man cave cool. And I have this thing that if, 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 I were, if I were a rich, reclusive author living in Vermont, that would be my vehicle. And I would have a gravel driveway that was a mile long, and I could always get to my place because ah. I have a GX460. It sort of feels, too, like, uh, like, a, like a Land Cruiser, though. though and, and yeah, but the, tidier. The very, it's tidier. But the very traditional engineering, but those things are bulletproof. Will probably survive a zombie apocalypse should one come about. And if I'm in Vermont, it, it probably will. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing about that, too, and you mentioned that they, the, the bulletproof part is there's something about those vehicles. They feel like they, they were made by artisan craftsmen in a garage over a period of 10 years. They just feel stout and durable. Mm-hmm. But I don't have Lexus GX money. Mm-hmm. So I, I, my dream driveway, if I was buying cars for myself right now, uh, I'm a huge fan of the current Honda Accord, and I really mm. like the Accord Hybrid. Oh, yeah. Um, the Accord, it, It's roomy. I fit in it well, but that is one of the most transparent and seamless hybrid systems ever. Agreed. But like a legit 40 miles per gallon all the time. I think car, we did even better. Yeah, I think yeah. we did. I think we got closer to 50. Yeah. I'm just hesitant to say 50. Right. But yeah, but we saw close to 50 miles per gallon. But I really like that car. Rides, handles well, feels good. Um, the 50 miles per gallon, I love that. And then the other one, the other car in my driveway. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Honda Ridgeline. Really? It is, it is the, the, the small pickup that no one is buying, and I don't know why, because it is the most car-like of those vehicles. And But what I really love, and I don't know if people know about the Ridgeline, in the, in the bed is that wonderful trunk, that mm-hmm. huge trunk. And because the, the rear tailgate opens both down and to the side, 
you can get to that trunk really easily. So it, it's a pickup truck with a trunk and a pickup bed that feels very much like a pilot because it sort of is a Honda pilot. Mm -hmm. All right. That, those are my picks. I'm sticking right. with them. Ooh, what do you got, Jenny? Me. Do you want okay. me to go? Do you need more time to think? I, I can... only, no, I can give you one. So uh, just a little background. We currently, my husband and I, we currently own a Subaru Outback, right? And I swore that as an adult, I would never own a wagon because <laughs> I was emotionally scarred for life at one point <laughs> when my parents owned two wagons. This was in the 80s. Two <laughs> wagons, both maroon with wood on the sides. Oh. But one two rows and the other was three rows. Now, was it the rear facing? Oh, yeah, of course. Cars. I mean, well, straight cool. up. Yeah. Yeah. But are you well, the not at the wagon? time. That's for inhaling exhaust fumes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that explains a lot about me with the exhaust fumes. <laughs> <laughs> so... What's what's interesting is I've been in the 2019 Volvo V60 yes. um, twice over this last year, and I can't help myself. I love that wagon. It's pretty sexy oh, for a wagon. goodness. Yeah. And I do feel a little bit like a cliche as an automotive journalist because, of course, if people don't know this, all automotive journalists love wagons. Mm -hmm. It's this weird box and, and, you have to check. Yes. I know, yes. I know, yeah. but oh Bonus my gosh. points if it's brown and a manual transmission. I don't want a but, brown one. Yeah. Uh, no brown. And a diesel. Yeah. <laughs> and all but this drive. thing is, um, it is luxurious, it is comfortable, it is fun to drive, and I don't know, it, it, it takes... It elevates wagon to something that's really, frankly, super cool. Yeah, you know, I I felt along awesome driving it, sure. and I don't have Volvo V60 money, and I certainly don't want to park it in the middle of the city where it's going to get you know mistreated and dinged. But um, man, do I love that one! I have a ding on that car, and, what is it's, it? and it's not a door ding. The rear <laughs> oh. seat's pretty tight. I don't care. I'm not going to sit back there. <laughs> That's for my children to deal with, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah, they're flexible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or that, you know, that will help them move on to college and, and you know, their own lives. <laughs> Speaking of sexy Volvos, which I know sounds like ox something oxymoronic if you haven't been following Volvo in the last 10, 15 years. But my wife and I owned an S60. Oh, nice. And, uh, and that was a great car. Mm -hmm. And it was mm -hmm. good looking and it was yeah. kind of sporty. And the back seat was useless. Yeah. But that's okay because my daughter was little. <laughs> so, or is that your only pick then? We got, we got one. Well, you know, the other one that I'm interested in, I actually um, had a Corolla hybrid that we had in our test fleet. And that was a good car. I yeah. That, you know what I loved about it is I drove that from Chicago to St. Louis. And when I filled up the tank, I used six gallons of gas. Wow. And that was sort of a, you know that in theory, right? You know that hybrids are a better, you know, helping the environment, consuming less fuel, all all of that stuff. Feel good. Man, it's feel good. It's a feel good car. Although sometimes, you know, the lack of power because it's a hybrid doesn't help. But um, just how little gas I had to put in at the end of the trip that mm -hmm. really has changed my thinking when it comes to what do we buy next. And I'm not sure it's a Cor Corolla hybrid, but I wouldn't be surprised if we get a hybrid at some point. The, the yeah. Corolla too. We have to give Toyota huge kudos for the Corolla because the old Corolla was frankly dull, mm -hmm. uninteresting, not fun to drive. The interior wasn't interesting. And this, this, this brand new, this is on, uh, what does Toyota call it? The TNGA, TNGA. Toyota New Global Architecture, mm -hmm. which every Toyota is going to be on in a matter of years. Transform this vehicle. There's a hatchback Corolla that's fun to drive. That 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 um, The sedan hybrid was a great vehicle. Yeah. It's roomier, too. And I think what, what really impresses me, too, is, you know, of course, it's a Corolla, so the price is lower, but the tech 
is really awesome. Yep. You've got automatic emergency braking. And a lot of you've it's got standard. Autom- you've yep. got adaptive cruise control. You've got safety tech that you're starting to see drift into these Frank, you know, cheaper cars, right. that it's critical, it's critical technology that's going to help a lot of drivers. So it's great to see it being put into a car that's a lot more affordable for most people. Do you happen to recall what that cost? Bleh. I just remember it seemed like a really compelling deal. I feel like it's well, 26 or something, but yeah. honestly, I'm, it's a barely educated guess. We had the, the one, I think the one at this point, at least kind of a kicker with the, the Corolla hybrid is that I think it's only in a lower trim level, you can't get like a top line leather upholstery, right. all the bells and whistles. It comes with that, you know, a, a great selection of standard equipment, but probably not going to have the heated seats and the, you know, some of the more creature comfort stuff. But I would argue that's smart because, you think so? yes, because automakers have been doing hybrids as these top trim level offerings and it's too expensive for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So by making this a trim, and you know what? You don't have leather seats, mm-hmm. so be it, right? But it, it's making it a lot more affordable and accessible. And that, that true, and and because a lot of times, I think manufacturers have a tendency to kind of hide the cost of the hybrid hardware in the, the decked out models too. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with you 100%. I, it's fantastic that they offer it in the lower trim levels. I hope as the the new Corolla model because it's new for 2020. The Corolla Sand, the sedan, and the hybrid yeah, are new for 2020. Yeah. Maybe for 2021 they'll continue that base trim level hybrid, but maybe throw in a, a ritzier one as as well. All right, Damon, you're up. All right, um, I think my choices. One of them I've already missed the window on because it's dropped for uh, 2020, and that is the it's a subcompact hatchback. Which makes perfect sense for a guy who's 6'6". <laughs> Again, don't, uh, the exterior size, I fit in some subcompact vehicles better than I fit into uh, some large SUVs, believe it or not. Um, it, it's the, the Ford Fiesta ST. Yeah. Which is the hot rod version, manual only. Um, I kind of made a half-hearted effort to uh, talk my wife into, oh, see what's got four doors we can put, because it gets, you know, at least 30 miles per gallon, but nothing doing. So I've kind of missed my window because uh, that vehicle has dropped along with the whole Fiesta line for 2020. I've learned something important. A half-hearted effort will not get you a car approved by your wife. Not a car that you don't need. Yes. Yeah, because I've been trying now for something like 25 years. Yeah. I don't have a CJ7 yet. Just saying. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be the one. Uh, uh, but, uh, again, that uh, at this point, unless there's a, a new one still sitting on a dealer's lot somewhere, you would have to go to the used market for that. Um, other one, uh, Failing that, I would go with the, uh, a similar line of thinking, the Volkswagen GTI, Golf GTI. Yeah. And try to, uh, yeah, I would want a stick shift in that as well. So what about cost no object, Jennifer? Oh. Boy, um, hmm. a reasonable cost, no object. Let's keep it under a hundred grand. Well, that takes some of the fun out of it, right? Um, All right, then go, go, break the break the we, ceiling. So, I recently was in the Lexus LC five hundred. Oh, um, I, I can't help myself. I kind of just love it. <laughs> if nothing else, it was this beautiful sunshine yellow color, and. It had people stopping on the street, yeah. pointing at this car, and taking their phones out and taking photos. It was crazy. I, I, I love a good head turner, and and I know that you know. Look, I know 
what you're going to say, performance car, right? It's it's really not performance. It's it's not this. It's not that. But you sometimes it's love, and sometimes you just can't help There's the also way a you feel. Hybrid version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I actually prefer the gas yeah, version right. better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a hybrid version of that, and who cares? Right. <laughs> a little bit. Here's the thing about the LC500 that 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 appeals to me, and I've seen them on the road now. This is like the Ferrari for the smart guy, because. <laughs> <laughs> You're not buying a three hundred, three or four hundred thousand dollar car that's going to depreciate thirty percent in a year. It's a Lexus. It's going to hold most of its value for three years. You're not going to have to pay crazy maintenance on it. But it looks like a Ferrari. It's beautiful. Yeah, it it's is. a great looking car. And the interior, uh, again, I fit in it. This is always a huge thing for mm-hmm. me. I like fitting in the vehicles I'm driving. <laughs> but you fit in it too, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. Not too bad. Yep. Nobody yeah. could fit, sit behind me, but yeah, I yeah. fit in the driver's seat. Yeah, I've tried to sit behind you. That's, <laughs> that doesn't go well. Uh, do you have another cost no object? Actually, I mean, just this is speaking of like love of cars. I, this one is discontinued or it's going away. Audi TT. That is the mm. car. I know exactly where I was. <laughs> when That's I, going away. I know, yeah, and it breaks away. my heart, so I need to go buy one, of course. Mm-hmm. Speaking of talking, you know, spouses into allowing car purchases, but I, I remember exactly where I was the first time I saw it. I was in Boston, and it, I, I like, fell in love in an instant. And, yeah, it's a great um, design. Yeah. One of oh, it's so beautiful. Design too, really. Beautiful. Nothing else looks like it. Yeah. Damon, we are running out of time, but do you have a cost-no-object I will. I will mention uh, just quickly uh, because it's uh, it just posted on our Daily Drive website this week. Um, the 2020 Ford Mustang Shelby GT500. Yeah. Because who doesn't need 760 horsepower? No one doesn't need that. <laughs> no one. No one doesn't need that. Our guy, our editor Rick Cotta, uh, was on that press event, and that's uh, one of our latest reviews. But uh, yeah, that would be my choice. All right, that's a good one. Do I have a cost no object? I guess so. I'm going with that Lexus again. Okay. Lexus GX460. And I, I'm going to go with Jennifer. The LC would be, a, if I had a five-car rich guy garage, <laughs> but I was kind of responsible, that might be the car I go with. All right. We are out of time. Jennifer Newman, thank you for being here. How can we keep track of what you're doing? Go to cars.com and cars.com slash news to find our latest car reviews and um, check us out on the social media as well. You are awesome. I hope you'll join us again someday. I would love to. Excellent. Damon, thanks for being here. How can we follow you? Um, my Twitter is uh, Damon Love. Or, I'm sorry, Damon Likes Cars. Yeah, you're not that strong I'm about Not that it. strong. Yeah. yeah. I want to ha- maintain some level-headedness, <laughs> although I do love certain cars. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. In general, I like them. All right. Everyone, thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends about it. Uh, And if you didn't, tell us why. You can go to consumerguide.com and uh, drop us a note. Special thanks to our guests, plus special thanks to my radio mentors, Steve and Johnny. You guys are awesome. I appreciate your help. Everyone, check out consumerguide.com. Check out our best buys, and we will be back next week. Thanks a lot.